Welcome everyone to Marketing Management and Money. We have an exciting interview that we're going to be doing today with Eunicia Perret. She is a financial expert. She actually is the CEO of Empowered Financial Planner. Uh, you can find information at empoweredfinancialplanner.com. But uh, she's got, uh, what, over 15 years of experience working with Fortune 500 companies. And it, it seems to me in... Uh, you know, in getting to know you and getting to know your business, that you're all about transparency, making sure that people that are learning uh, about, you know, the, the financial world, that, you know, you, you make sure that they understand what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, kind of, I'm going to use the term hidden secrets that you like to uh, share with uh, with business owners, with entrepreneurs, and, and different things. And so, very excited to have you here talking about that. Uh, why don't you just give our listeners uh, a chance to get to know you a little bit better and and understand a little bit of who you are and what you're all about? Absolutely, Ryan. Thank you for that. So, Eudicia uh, Perret here. It's a pleasure to be with you. And just a little bit about me. I ended up uh, kind of falling, if you will, into and ultimately refining doing what I do now because of a huge need that I personally had going back uh, a few years when my husband and I sat down and kind of took a look at our personal financials and our investments and what it was that we were trying to achieve, the answers that we were getting from our financial advisors. And frankly, the the blind spots that we have. <laughs> sure. And uh, I, I, I was pausing there for a second because I didn't know, we didn't know that we had blind spots as um, high income earners uh, building into, into heavier um, network, uh, uh, net worth individuals. Of course, we were much younger. What we didn't know was that we were leaving too much to chance when it came to how we were growing our money, when it came to minimizing our taxes, to maximizing the way that our money was working for us. And when I realized that I started if you will, geeking out on figuring out what were those blind spots? How can we address them? And the thought that dawned on me was, gee, if I am in this boat and I feel things are so messed up, surely there, there must be other people that feel the same way. Yeah. So just doing what I encourage our clients to do all the time is ask a lot of questions. I started asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you based on my prior experience as a strategy consultant that did not come hard to me. It was, it's very easy for me to ask questions and ask more questions. And when I started asking those questions, a new world of, of huge ahas opened up to me, but also ended up becoming a blessing for hundreds and hundreds of clients that we've worked with since then, where we were able to show them some of those same blind spots, some of those same pitfalls that were costing them tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in the short and or the long term. So, so I, I, I love that, but immediately I'm drawn to what were some of the key questions that you started exploring? Because I know a lot of times people, when they look at, you know, financial planners, they're going to ask, you know, some basic questions, but your journey was much more targeted, was much more deliberate. And so I want to peek into what were the questions that you were asking? You know, I want to get at these better questions, not kind of the, the basic run of the mill questions. Absolutely. So Ryan, first and foremost, one of the things that I tell 
everybody that we work with is we are not as even as a team, we're not financial advisors, we're mm-hmm. wealth strategists. Yeah. And oftentimes, I, I can't tell you how many times we've had people saying, but I'm, I'm not wealthy. And what I tell people is first and foremost, you need to change your mindset because wealth is a relative term. And it's, it's a matter, you know, somebody that is sitting on $3 million might feel that they're super wealthy. For somebody else, it might take that number to be $30 million or somebody might feel wealthy at half a million dollars. The reality is that that wealth, whatever it means to us individually, right? To you individually is relative and we have to focus on doing better for that wealth. And so when we're thinking about uh, the questions, one of the big, big questions for me was how do I minimize my taxes? I was in the highest uh, tax brackets from an earning stand an earning standpoint. I was a W two, uh, working on a salaried basis. Was working my tail off week over week. <laughs> Anywhere you know, sixty to hundred hours a week was oh. fair game, um, and it was a lot of hard work. I was getting paid for doing that kind of work, but the reality was, I didn't know what I didn't know when it came to even tax savings. So a lot of you talked about financial advisors. None of my so called financial advisors ever said, "Hey, Unicia." Hey, Daniel, there are ways in which you can further maximize or minimize your tax exposure. Let's talk about some of those. And coincidentally, neither were individuals that we were working with from a tax perspective. And here's the funny thing that I'll tell you. I just got off of another um, show where the big question came from a gentleman to the show host. um, And he said, listen, my CPA, we're looking at this, this fairly major real estate transaction. And my CPA never told me about any of the things that you guys are talking about in terms of how do we shelter money from taxes? Not because we're not paying taxes, but because that's really what the wealthy do. It's it's all about, it's a question is, do you want to pay more than your fair share or do you want to understand what can be done? Is it a little bit more work? Yes, in most cases it is, but there are, it's all legal and it can be done. But my CPA won't tell me about it. And how do I handle taking it back to this individual, because the likelihood that they're going to have a knee jerk reaction is pretty high. And so kind of taking all of that and putting into the umbrella of what we tell our clients is we don't tell our clients, we work more as a kind of quarterback for them, if you will, when it comes to debt wealth optimization. And when I tell my clients is, listen, we're not, our job here is not to displace your financial team, should you already have one, Mm -hmm. but rather to figure out, are they working together? Are they working together for your bottom line to increase your bottom line? Or is everybody just doing their thing in their silo? And in the case of this particular gentleman, my guidance to him was if he's either going to have a knee jerk reaction or he's not open to learning new ideas, then maybe you should ask for a referral to other CPAs. Because what we're seeing all too often is those individuals that should bring us the ideas in my case, right? I'll take myself again as an example. Our CPA should have told us, hey, here's some of the other things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Did they? No. And so when we're looking at the experts that we work with, same thing with financial advisors, right? Here are some of the other things, guys, that you should consider when it comes to building wealth. If they're not bringing those ideas to you, why is it that you as an end consumer should be focusing on trying to figure out how you can protect your wealth, how you can grow your wealth in the most optimized way and take those ideas back to those guys and gals? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't it be their job to bring them to you? The reality, though, is that doesn't happen. So the kind of the idea of going back to asking questions, 
one of the things that individuals oftentimes underestimate is the questions that frankly come out naturally in their own minds and their own, you know, those gut feelings that we have. They, where, they, they kind of downplay, they, yeah. Right. They, and they doubt themselves in terms of, well, I won't ask it because it might be a stupid question or they might judge me for asking it. I tell clients is if that question peaks his head up, ask it. Because if, 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 if it's there, that means that not only is it a critical question that needs to be answered, but chances are it might have trickling effects into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And now you just took a, what might potentially be a problem or even a solution and you're compounding the effects, either positive because you're asking the question, you're finding out this, the, the answers or negatively because you don't and you're going to be impacted con- uh, uh, consequently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many gems that you brought up. I I'm excited to kind of delve into this conversation, but one of the things that hit me hard as you were talking is you mentioned the, the idea of your financial team and you said, maybe you have one, maybe you don't. I want to, I want to talk about that for a second and I want to learn from you. uh, Okay. What, what is it that needs to happen to build that financial team? And this is where, so you know, you've talked about the personal wealth. And a lot of times, uh, you know, on this show, we talk about that you start with the personal and then build into the business. You cannot have the business success if you don't have the personal success. Because what will happen is the business will start to crumble because your personal life is, is, you know, I mean, if, if you've got a successful business, but, you know, on your personal life, you're filing bankruptcy or going through a horrific divorce or something like that, you better believe that's going to bleed into the business and that's going to start to pull the business down. But when you're talking about building the team, you know, and you mentioned the CPA, but so who's on the team, who should be on the team and how do you know if you've got the right team? Cause to me, that seems like a pretty good starting point for someone to look at and say, okay, who have I surrounded myself with? Do I have the right people, you know, and, and am I using those people correctly for what their expertise is? Absolutely. And that's, that's a great question. It's also a very loaded question. I'm sure you can <laughs> yeah, right. understand, right? So I, well, first and foremost, I, I 100% agree with you about what you said regarding the business versus the personal finances, because it's very important for them to have their overlaps, but also for them to be separate. And how do you keep them right? Oftentimes, frankly, it goes back to the team. It even more important, it goes back to the strategy that we may or may not have when it comes to just the overall wealth creation. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of clients that we work with actually where, um, some of the tactics, some of the, the more creative, for example, tax strategies happen at the business level, but then the effects, the impacts, right? The positive outlook ends up trickling all the way down to the personal taxes or to the personal investment decisions that are being made. And so going back to your question about the who, who should be on your financial team, of course, if you're a business owner, it's going to be a little bit more complex than if you were just a W-2 employee um, earning a high income or a high salary. But at the end of the day, or at the core of it all, we need to be thinking about who's our CPA and not just a certified public accountant as we're hiding behind the title. We're looking at that person that is helping us with our broader tax strategy. Mm-hmm. It could be that the person that's focusing on our tax strategy, then you have to think if you're a business owner, you have to have a good bookkeeper. Sometimes the two of them can be in the same office, but don't mistake them for having to be in the same office, right? Because they each have their own skill sets. That's, that's, in that's some a good cases, point there. 
And that's right. In some cases, depending on how large your business might be, you might even want to have to, you might even consider possibly looking at a fractional CFO. That person could potentially be the person that helps you with your tax strategy, but maybe not. And so that's just on the tax alone. And if that's not enough to make our heads spin, now let's move into kind of how the money grows, right? How does our money grow? Automatically, individuals will think, oh, my financial advisor. But the problem with the quote unquote, the the coveted financial advisor title is that oftentimes you're going to run into one of two of two situations. Either we're looking at everything in the market, right? Mm -hmm. Securities and securities based products, or we're looking at non-traditional financial products. And oftentimes those two don't even talk. Now let's, if that's not enough, that individual automatically we have identified that chances are you're not going to find the, the, the silver bullet in one person. Those are very, very far and few between. Why? Because oftentimes the companies that they work for or the way that their businesses are stood up are not allowing for there to be all of this advanced knowledge across the two areas. And yet, if that wasn't enough, a lot of clients will say, well, that's, it's wonderful. I kind of want to be risky, or maybe I don't, and I want to go with non-traditional financial products, but what if they don't want to do deal with financial products Overall, Mm -hmm. what if they want non-traditional types of investments? Where do they go now? And so now we're dealing with a third type of of a financial advisor or financial connector, if you will, when it comes to truly non-traditional, not even financial financial, uh, industry-related investment products. So we're talking about two, potentially three individuals. And then last but not least, once again, if you're a business owner, you're probably going to need to have some support on the legal side. Where do you even start? Do you just go down the street to, you know, Mr. or Mrs. XYZ attorney? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe right. you can start there. But the reality is very quickly, again, depending on how complex either your business is today or you want to make it or even your personal situation, you're probably going to need to seek some additional um, support from a legal standpoint. So, so then the question becomes, how do we integrate them all together? Right. And that's what I was going to get at is, you know, as you're sitting here talking, I'm like, this can become daunting. You just, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You throw so many things at it. And, you know, I, I, I picture the entrepreneur who like their whole team consists of their uncle who studied a semester of finance in college. And that's the level that they, and, and I get that there's a lot of businesses that already have, you know, a team in place, but, but I kind of went back to that, to, to that grassroots level of just someone who they're really getting into it. And they probably started with some referrals that were more, you know, personal in nature, not as professional in nature and, and, and so there was a lot that was thrown out there. So how does this start to blend into the strategy so that it's not so overwhelming? And how do people know if they're on the right track or the wrong track? I've seen a lot well, of businesses that they'll get going and, you know, they're like, I'm okay because, you know, I've, I've got a bookkeeper and we go through a CPA firm and so they're taking care of me. And I'm like, not always. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But so, so how how does someone know if they're on the right track? How do you get started on that? How do you understand what level you're at? You know, let, let, let's let's kind of discuss that a little bit. 
I love that because as a matter of fact, just literally minutes before, um, before we jumped onto a show, I pressed send on an email that I sent today to our, to our email list. And, um, the question was, or, or the, the story that I relayed in there was a question that came from one of our new clients and he said, well, I'm saving to maximize my retirement. What am I missing? Mm-hmm. And the question is, are you saving or do you want to see multiplication of your efforts? It's that simple, right? We're already doing something and you just, just right. The, the feeling that you got when I was going through all of those, you know, different types of, of individuals and of, and of, of, of people that could be on your financial team bus, uh-huh. it, it can be overwhelming. And especially to a business owner, the last thing that, that you would want to do is to try to decipher every single point. But then the bigger problem that comes in, comes up, Ryan, is those individuals don't necessarily easily come together jointly because it's almost like as a client, let's say that I'm the client, right? I would want to, I would want the analogy of, you know, at the end of the day, I want all my entire financial team to be wearing the same uniform, Sure, but they're never talking to each other. How is that possible? Right. And they're not talking to each other, not because maybe they don't want to as human beings, but they're not incentivized to do that. Think about, let's take a financial advisor or even somebody preparing taxes. The whole idea is you as a client should be in and out within a matter of 30 to to 60 minutes Mm -hmm. once a year. Do they have time during that, that session? Or even if it's two sessions a year, is there truly an opportunity for you as an individual, for me or you as a business owner to have time to sit and actually put together a strategy that encompasses the entire team? Well, we don't. And, I'm, I'm going to even broaden it here, talking about the amount of time that they'll spend. I'm going to talk about their desire, their interest in your success, because if they're strictly looking at you as just kind of a churn and burn client, how quickly can I get you in and out? Because, you know, it's like waiting tables. How many tables can I turn before, you know, that's, that's how, you know, a server is going to make money is they, they have more tables that they can get more tips off of, but they are really not invested in that person's, you know, what they're doing after dinner, you know? And so I, I look at some of these, you know, some of these financial advisors, some of these CPA firms and, do they want you to be successful? Why do they want you to be successful? How much do they personally care about your business and, and what's going on? And there are great, you know, great companies and firms out there that really do care. And then there are those that you're just, you're, you're just a paycheck to them. You know, you're paying the bills and that's, you know, that that's what they're looking for. True. And, and if we were to unpack that, Ryan, let, let's say that the individuals are well-intended, right? Let's not sure. focus on the 95% of the, the, the professionals out there that are truly just drawing fire under their own pot, right? Because that's how they're incentivized. That's how they get paid. Sure. And the box stops with them when it comes to their area of expertise and they really don't want to, maybe they don't, not that they don't care, but they don't want to transcend into somebody else's area of expertise because it's so much easier that way, right? They're not getting paid to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's say that the individual is super well-intentioned and they're not the CPA that w- will have the knee-jerk reaction when you go to them with the new idea. How how do, do we take those guys and gals into, an, into an, a, the account when it comes to how the broader strategy is being built? It all goes back to you as an individual, you as a business owner need to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. And the hardest work I will tell you is when that strategy is laid out, right? Just kind of like when you're thinking about building a business, you have to come up with the idea, the product the or the service, how you're going to market, who are your clients, how are you going to work with your marketing team, your sales team, et cetera, et cetera. 
it's the same thing when you're truly setting up that path to optimizing your, your wealth creation efforts is we need to start with a strategy. That strategy, if you start with a strategy, will automatically start asking the questions of who's your CPA? What is what are some of the strategies that this person has or doesn't have? Oh, they haven't come up. They haven't offered any solutions. Like, let's say that this a new client we're working together, right? Mm-hmm. We're working together with him or her. Right. In order to even come up with the strategy, we need to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve. What are their goals? What are their fears? What works for them? What do they need the money to do for them today, tomorrow? How do they save? How do they pay themselves, et cetera, et cetera? As that comes together, the strategy starts taking shape. And as the strategy starts taking shape, then we're going to ask the question about, for example, the CPA, right? Uh Because at this point in in the discussion, after several sessions, not just the one 30 to 60 minute meeting, right? At this point in the conversation, we know that maybe this person is, this is real case, by the way. Um, high, high earning individual working for a company looking to retire the next year started to see the business that he's going to start really building this year. But that business started being seeded last year. He probably invested somewhere about 25 to $30,000 into seeding the business. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that we had, I had for him was, Hey, go back to your CPA and ask him these specific questions. Because he told me, he said, you know, the CPA does the same thing every year and he's proposing that we're going to do more of the same this year. And I said, okay, that's wonderful. But you started seeing this business, take these questions back to the CPA. And based on that, we're going to figure out, you're going to know, Mr. Client, if this is the right CPA for you or not. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, the only response that he got from the CPA was there were a lot of circling around the questions. And the idea was, you're going to continue to be in the 24% tax bracket regardless of what we do. Okay, <laughs> that's wonderful. But those questions were so strategic that the client literally said, I really think that based on our conversation, we need to find somebody that's thinking outside of the box. Uh-huh. And because of that, the client is now positioned, not just because of seeding the business, but because of other things that were being left out of the strategic tax planning discussion they're going to see tens of thousands of dollars in tax savings. And then when we transcended to the financial side, it was a huge eye opener. The client's getting ready to retire. He already lost literally everything in 2008, 2009. He used to work for a company. He owned a lot of stock in that company. The company went under. Oh. He lost everything. So the multi-millions of dollars he built in his new portfolio were since 2009. That's impressive. That it was very, very impressive. But here's the deal. As we started working, he said, listen, I am with such and such investment house, had about 20 different types of accounts because they just kept opening accounts for him. Uh He was obviously one of the more coveted clients. So he was getting some additional attention because of the amount of money in there. Sure. But looking back at February and April, he lost a really good chunk of his savings. And he said, Unicia, help. I need the team to help us. Well, his financial, so-called financial advisor wasn't doing anything because they wanted the money to remain in the portfolio, not to look at other ways to to protect the money and to focus on the income in retirement, which he's now like, retirement is really knocking on at, at his door. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about two very distinct areas and we only covered the tax and the financial advisory, right? Forget about the legal, forget. So that's kind of how it comes together. You can't just go out there and say, hey, I'd like to put together a financial team. Let's see how you guys work together. 
it's not natural. It's not going to be easy to do that. But if you start tackling it by starting with the goals, by starting with a strategy, then it's easy to start asking the question of, do we have the right people on the bus or do we need to change some of the individuals and put them in the seats, put new people in the seats to make sure that everybody then is connected. Yeah, dude, I love the example. And that, definitely answered a complicated question because I, I hit you up and I'm just like, tell me who the right team is. And you're like, well, there's a lot of variables going in here. You did an excellent job of, uh, of answering that. So let's transition a little bit. We've talked about the team and we've alluded to the strategy a lot, but let's talk about this strategy. And I would like to, if you, if you could, maybe kind of put some milestones in place of things that you need to be looking at at different phases. So, you know, you, you, you've got people that they're just starting out. And I find that a lot of times when people are just starting out, they always think, oh, I've got time. And so they're kind of kicking things down the road. In my opinion, you shouldn't be. I'm like, yeah, you've got time. Use it. Don't wait for it. Um, you know, so there's kind of the just starting out. Then you get the, those people that they're, they're, they're into a career. They're starting to, you know, have some earnings. Uh, things are working well for them or they've launched their business. The business is finally starting to actually cover its bills. It's no longer in this startup stage where you're constantly, you know, grappling for cash flow. Uh, and then you have people on the, on the twilight end. You know, the example that you gave of this guy who he had a very short period of time. Um, but I love in that example that you said that he rebuilt from, you know, 2008. So in, in a matter of what, 12 to 15 years, he was able to, to rebuild, uh, what he was doing. So uh, just overview idea of, you know, what are some strategic things that can happen at each one of those stages, kind of early, mid and, and late game stages, that, that you think people should should definitely be looking at and making sure that they're not ignoring. Absolutely. And, and what I will tell you is, is it really varies from person to person, from business sure. to business. Sure, yeah, yeah, it will. Individual because we're all different and we all have different incentives that drive us. We also have different fears that hinder us. And so I'll oh, use... And I'm already going to deviate here. Let's talk about the fear side too, because that's a big one. That that holds a lot of people back. So I'll actually, as you can probably tell, I speak through examples and my clients love that. Nobody ever knows who the clients are, <laughs> but they're all real cases because uh -huh. that's, that's what we do, right? It's yeah. all about how can we make changes and, and see people truly experience that that aha moment and that those growth, growth opportunities. Yeah, and so I love that you're keeping it real. Yes, we have to, right? Because if we don't, what good is it to anyone? Right. Um, but this particular client, you're asking kind of about the early stages, mid stages, uh -huh. late stages, right? So this particular client is somewhere in between the early and the mid stages, but um, he experienced a huge setback in just his overall uh, business and his overall portfolio, and et cetera, et cetera, because he had a, he had a partner that... Um, kind of really started messing things up on the business side. Okay. And he was at the point where he said, you know what, if the business does well, great. If not, I'm just going to focus on everything else and we'll figure it out. And if we sell it and we get something out of it, great. If we don't, we don't. Yeah. Well, foreshadowing, his partner passes away suddenly, leaving him with this wow. whole ball okay. of mess. Okay. Right? And so now he had to truly kind of come on and say, hey, I want to salvage this company because it has huge potential. And then we'll figure out what happens down the road. I'm thinking I'm going to sell it, but before we get there, we need to maximize value. And I also need this business to pay me. 
So he came in and when we started working together, he said, Eunicia, here's the deal. I am afraid to talk about where I'm at because the reality is the business income is right now, their revenue, their, it's ebbing and flowing. Mm-hmm. But this is where I see it. This is where it's going to be in the next six months and in the next year. And so it was one of those things where oftentimes talking about fears is we don't want to share our mess with anybody else. So if you don't feel that you can have that truly open and raw conversation with whoever is on your financial team, you automatically know, like without me telling you, you probably are talking to the wrong individual because it's not about opening up. It's not about them poking and prying. It's about having a true and open dialogue. Everything should be confidential 100% all the time. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case and that's the premise, then we should be in a situation where we're okay. It's not going to feel comfortable, but truly opening up. So because this with this individual, he opened up and we had a very frank conversation, him and his his spouse, what started happening from there was going back to the strategy was, okay, where do we want to focus first? He said, hey, I want to invest. I've got this pot of money and that other pot of money. And here's here are my investments and everything that I've done. I want to invest. But then at the same time. I want to figure out how do we start optimizing taxes because I know that this year my business will produce X number of millions of dollars and I'm going to be in a doozy. Uh-huh. On the legal side, he was fine. We're going to come back around. That's going to be like the last thing that we focus on and then starting to plan for the company to be sold down the road. But we had our marching order. So we knew that it was investments and we knew that it was taxation. Uh-huh. So how do we go about it? We said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We don't want to have this be overwhelming, right? Because if we just throw everything to the client, they will be overwhelmed. They're going to be confused. And that's not a good proposition for anyone. Right. Right. So we said, okay, what is the most burning platform? And he said, listen, I was sold into these types of vehicles and I don't understand how they work. Can we focus there? And then we get to taxes. No problem. It wasn't a big issue because taxes, it was, this was right at the beginning of the year. So we started focusing on that. And what we found was that he was in financial vehicles that were way overpriced. When we ran analyses on what was happening and projected to happen with the money, I had to give him some of the worst news I had ever had to give to anyone. We brought in some of these experts that deal with the stock market, that deal with securities, that deal with just the overall enchilada of how to potentially invest money, including investments that have nothing to do with financial services. Mm-hmm. And connecting him with individuals that were aligning with the goals and the desires that he had, because by the way, he loves real estate and he loves storage units. Okay. That's not something that's going to be endorsed by anybody that just deals with financial services, right? Sure, right. So now that we have all of that kind of covered and running and smooth, smoothly, because now we know we everybody has their marching orders on in terms of how to optimize those vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, we were then able to start transitioning onto the tax side. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about tax credits, and we're talking about minimizing the overall tax exposure because it's early enough in the year, again, mm-hmm. that we can actually, he has the opportunity to say, okay, here are the things that are going to be most important, and that's where our, the experts that we bring to the table also will have those strategic conversations to where we know that, hey, these are going to be the lowest hanging fruit and the areas of biggest impact in the shortest amount of time possible. So, so, so go ahead. It sounds very much like the basis of the strategy, and it's, you know, it, it, it's simple, which genius is simple. 
But the basis of the strategy is to just focus on the one or two areas of impact. Like you're not taking on everything. You're not looking at everything. I mean, you're not ignoring things because, you know, I understand that you're, you're going through and identifying from the entire pool where the areas of impact are going to be. But it, it sounds like the beauty of the strategy is to say, look, what are the one or two areas that we need to hit now that we need to hit hard? And then linking those with expertise, linking those with the right solutions, uh, as opposed to just, you know, having kind of a one trick pony, uh, you know, the silver bullet that is going to magically solve all problems. It's like, no, 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 no. Every problem, you, you said this several times as we've been talking, you're like, well, it's different. It's different. It's different. You know, and so I, I, I love how you're, you're taking these strategies and saying, break them down. Just something that is, you know, bite-sized, manageable, something that we can chew and digest, uh, put the expertise to it, and don't have a, uh, you know, a one-size-fits-all solution, but really look at those unique, unique solutions. And, and, and so I, I just, for me, I kind of wanted to throw that out there, make sure that I'm understanding correctly, uh, because a lot of times people they, they they get they get overwhelmed with this kind of stuff and I'm like no it does it doesn't have to be overwhelming like this is this is pretty straightforward it does not have to be overwhelming and I apologize has, I kind of cut into your story there no no, no 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 you're you're perfect Ryan because the reality is exactly what what you said is it has to be prioritized mm-hmm. and you were asking earlier about you know what does it look like at every stage right if, for somebody that's more at the beginning the mid stage or, or later on in in terms of what they're trying to achieve the reality is that it, it's it's as individuals we oftentimes this is part of the other thing that people do right we put ourselves in a corner i don't have enough i'm not quite at that level yet because yeah. if i would have started with some of the amazing stories that we have on the with the super wealthy of our clients people would have been like oh no i'm tuning this out because i don't have that kind of money <laughs> right. the reality is and the reason i chose that example is if we take a step back just like you said, it really is going to depend from client to client. The overall methodology is the same. Mm-hmm. The crux is in the execution. Now, a lot of our clients will tell you that what we do is the equivalent of herding cats. And um, I know on one of your podcasts, you were talking about skinning cats and, and different things. And right, those are, they are not skinning cats, but, but we are herding cats. And why is it that we're herding cats? Because going back to our very, very first part of the conversation, it is nearly impossible for most people to be able to bring this together. So why is it that, that we're able to put it together? Here's what I will tell you. It would be nearly impossible for us to put it together without the deep expertise that is brought to bear based on and from our experience as strategy consultants, where the crux of everything that strategy consultants do on a day in and day out basis is, figure out, you know, take in all of the mess, decipher through it and figure out what is relevant and meaningful, designing an approach, designing a strategy after finding out the root cause of those problems and then figuring out and saying, okay, here are the things that need to happen in order to address the problem. Yeah, And that's what we're doing for our clients. And, and, and I think something very interesting, and I want to just point it back out, uh, you know, right at the beginning, you, you distinguish, you said, look, we are financial strategists, uh, not financial advisors. And when you talk about expertise, I think to myself, wow, that's where the expertise comes from. Because really, if you look at this as just an advisor, what does an advisor do? They give advice. 
And, you know, I, I mean, what's, what's the saying about advice? You get what you pay for is, you know, I, you know, like advice comes and goes and I've had some really terrible advice over the years. And, and so, you know, looking at it through the lens of, well, my whole job is to advise you and then you just kind of figure it out from there versus you're looking at it and saying, no, 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 no. Our job is to develop a strategy with you and, and to become the experts with you so that this is strategic, not just random advice that you can choose to accept or not. And, and so with that, and, and, and as we're kind of uh, wrapping up a little bit here, I, I'd like to get into your business. I mean, I appreciate that you've shared examples about clients and different things like that, but I want to get into your business. So first off, if people want to connect with you, you know, if, if they're listening to this and they're just like, yeah, I want to get more strategic, how do they connect with you? What does that process look like? But also, you know, talk, talk a little bit, you know, share with us what, what your business is, uh, how, that, how that kind of sets apart, and, and how you got to the stage of where you are. You know, like what were some of the things that brought you to the point that you're at today that really makes your business unique and successful? Absolutely. So I'll take your questions in, in order for individuals that want to learn more about what we do and to connect with us. I encourage them to go to our website, www.empoweredfinancialplanner.com. Um, and also we have a, a, a quick read giveaway of the five biggest financial pitfalls that anybody really should be aware of in order to avoid so that we don't end up outliving or outspending our money. And you can find that at same website, www.empoweredfinancialplanner.com forward slash pitfalls. When you go there, please make sure that you mention Ryan's name or the name of the podcast, because we would like to just be able to say thank you to our amazing host. And uh, to get back to your second question about our business and what it is that we do and kind of how it is that we got to where we got to. Uh-huh. I will tell you the same thing that I tell a lot of my clients when they ask the question of if you mean I need to invest in myself, you mean the free that I get at, at my amazing bank down the, down the corner or my CPA or whoever it may be, that's not enough. The reality is that it might be enough, but are you okay with medi- mediocre results, mm-hmm. the same results that everybody else gets, or do you truly want to set yourself apart? The way that in which we set ourselves apart is not only just focusing on figuring out what does that methodology look like? What is that strategy, the the path to success and the, the steps that we generally take with our clients to make sure that we live to deliver the promise that we make to our clients. And we couldn't have gone to where we're at if we didn't really spend a lot of time focusing on that and refining that. We've worked with hundreds of clients over the last few years, and I will tell you every single client that we work with has a positive impact on that approach, that methodology continuing to be refined. So if if we've got business owners that are listening to us, this is a huge like golden nugget for you. Don't be stagnant. And I've heard it on some of your other podcasts, Ryan, as well. Um, Don't be stagnant. Focus on always doing a look, just, just, a little bit of improvement here and a little bit of improvement there. And you'll be amazed. This is not about me, my business necessarily. This is about us and our clients and the value that they receive ultimately. And that's always our focus. The other thing that has made us so successful 
and personally, uh, having left corporate America, where you know you've got the counselors and the mentee mentors and and the non-official mm-hmm. mentors and counselors that you find, right? You've got the officially assigned and the non-officially, you know, those individuals and leaders that take a chance on you. I've been blessed to have a lot of those amazing mentors that I didn't solicit, but they saw something in me that I didn't see early on in my career, and they took that chance on me, and it has given me amazing opportunities. But when I transitioned into becoming a business owner, what I realized is that people don't really want to share their secrets. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they just they just don't. So then the question was, okay, I mean, I can go back to my mentors, but they're still in corporate America. They don't understand the world that I'm living in and I'm part of now. How do I stand up a successful business? Because it's not like the, you know, Uber businesses and, you know, tens of thousands of employees worldwide. And what I found very quickly was that I needed to invest in myself. I needed to invest in a better, better understanding. How do I refine my own processes? Because now I wasn't just about doing it for clients or for XYZ Fortune 500 company. It was, you need to say you have to operate on your own self. I don't know if you have any doctors in the house, but the question for anybody would be if you had to be faced with operating on your own self, how pleasant would that be, right? How willing would you be Would you be to do it? Well, the reality is that when we grow our businesses, that's what we have to do every single day. And so when we, there are areas where we're going to be um, exceeding our limitations and we have to fire, uh, fire, we have to fire the right people, but we have to also bring on the right people, the right strategy teams, the right consultants, the right people to help us see the blind spots that we don't see. And that's the other thing that we've done is we're constantly investing in those mentors. We're constantly investing in the business relationships that are helping us not only grow, but truly understand what are our blind spots so that we can overcome them with the desire to be more of a value add to our clients. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. I, I, I love, I love your approach. Uh, it, it's so refreshing. In, in an industry that's been bogged down by, you know, kind of a, a status quo that is not in the best interest of the client most of the time, I, you know, I love that you're willing to put yourself out there and say, no, there is a better way of doing this. Uh, you know, I think about uh, financial services and how long financial services have been around. You know, you look at uh, long-standing banking and long-standing investments, and 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 they're very stereotypical. These stodgy old men kind of doing the same thing that they've done for generations. And to see innovation, to see you know your 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 fresh you know approach, your willingness to put yourself out there, uh, that. It's very nice, very nice. And so thank you so much. Th- this has actually been uh, one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I've enjoyed talking to you, a very intelligent woman that uh, clearly, you know, clearly has her strategy in place herself. Uh, so uh, as you guys were, uh, were listening, again, you can, uh, you can reach out to uh, Unicia at empoweredfinancialplanner.com. That's, uh, that's going to be in the description if you want to go ahead and click on that. Uh, but we, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. This has been an interview with Marketing, Management, and Money. And Unicia, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. 
Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month, and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions. 